0: Section 21 of The Glories of Ireland. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Kate Fallis. The Glories of Ireland. Edited by Joseph Dunn and P. J. Lennox. The Irish in the United States. Part 1. By Michael J. O'Brien, historiographer, American-Irish Historical Society. Students of early American history will find in the colonial records abundant evidence to justify the statement of Ramsey, the historian of South Carolina, when he wrote, in 1789, that... The colonies which now form the United States may be considered as Europe transplanted. Ireland, England, Scotland, France, Germany, Holland, Switzerland, Sweden, Poland, and Italy furnished the original stock of the present population, and are generally supposed to have contributed to it in the order named for the last 70 or 80 years, no nation has contributed so much to the population of America as Ireland. It will be astonishing to one who looks into the question to find that, in face of all the evidence that abounds in American annals, showing that our people were here on this soil fighting the battles of the colonists and, in a later day, of the infant republic thus proving our claim to the gratitude of this nation america has produced men so ignoble and disingenuous as to say that the irish who were here in revolutionary days were for the most part heartily loyal that the combatants were of the same race and blood and that the great uprising became in fact a contest between brothers Although many writers have made inquiries into this subject, nearly all have confined themselves to the period of the revolution. We are of the fighting race, and in our enthusiasm for the fighting man, the fact seems to have been overlooked that in other noble fields of endeavor, and in some respects, infinitely more important men of irish blood have occupied prominent places in american history for which they have received but scant recognition the pioneers before whose hands the primeval forests fell prostrate the builders by whose magic touch have sprung into existence flourishing towns and cities where once no sounds were heard save those of nature and her wildest offspring the orators who roused the colonists into activity and showed them the way to achieve their independence the schoolmasters who imparted to the american youth their first lessons in intellectuality and patriotism all have their place in history and of these we can claim that ireland furnished her full quota to the american colonies It must now be accepted as an indisputable fact that a very large proportion of the earliest settlers in the American colonies were of Irish blood, for the Irish have been coming here since the beginning of the English colonization. It has been estimated by competent authorities that in the middle of the seventeenth century the English-speaking colonists numbered fifty thousand. Sir William Petty, the English statistician, tells us that during the decade from 1649 to 1659, the annual emigration from Ireland to the Western continent was upwards of 6,000 thus making in that space of time sixty thousand souls or about one-half of what the whole population must have been in sixteen fifty nine and from sixteen fifty nine to sixteen seventy two there emigrated from ireland to america the yearly number of three thousand dobbs on irish trade dublin 1729. Prendergast, another noted authority in the Cromwellian settlement of Ireland, furnishes ample verification of this by the statistics which he quotes from the English records. Richard Hacklett, the chronicler of the first Virginia expeditions in his Voyages, Navigations, Traffics, and Discoveries of the English Nation, London, 1600, shows that Irishmen came with Raleigh to Virginia in 1587, and, in fact, the ubiquitous Celts were with Sir John Hawkins in his voyage to the Gulf of Mexico twenty years earlier. The famous work of John Camden Houghton, entitled The Original Lists of Persons of Quality, Emigrants, Religious Exiles, Political Rebels, Serving Men, Sold for a Term of Years, etc who were brought to the virginia plantations between sixteen hundred and seventeen hundred as well as his list of the living and the dead in virginia in sixteen twenty three contains numerous celtic names and further evidence of these continuous migrations of the irish is contained in a book of entry for passengers passing beyond the seas in the year 1632. The Virginia records also show that as early as 1621, a colony of Irish people sailed from Cork in the Flying Heart, under the patronage of Sir William Noose, and located at what is now Newport News, and some few years later, Daniel Gookin, a merchant of Cork, transported hither great multitudes of people and cattle from england and ireland in the william and mary college quarterly in the transcripts of the original records published by the virginia historical society and in all county histories of virginia there are numerous references to the irish redemptioners who were brought to that colony during the seventeenth century but the redemptioners were not the only class who came for the colonial records also contain many references to irishmen of good birth and education who received grants of land in the colony and who in turn induced many of their countrymen to emigrate planters named mccarty lynch o'neill sullivan farrell MacDonald, o'brien and others denoting an ancient irish lineage appear frequently in the early records much that is romantic is found in the lives of these men and their descendants some of them served in the council chamber and the field their sons and daughters were educated to hold place with elegance and dignity with the foremost of the cavaliers and when in after years the great conflict with england began virginians of irish blood were among the first and the most eager to answer the call those historians who claim that the south was exclusively an anglo-saxon heritage would be completely disillusioned were they to examine the lists of colonial and revolutionary troops of celtic name who held the indians and the british at bay and who helped in those troublous times to lay the foundations of a great republic there is no portion of the atlantic seaboard that did not profit by the irish immigrations of the seventeenth century we learn from the irish state papers of the year 1595 that ships were regularly plying between ireland and newfoundland and so important was the trade between ireland and the far distant fishing banks that all english ships bound out always made provisions that the convoy out should remain forty-eight hours in cork in some of lord baltimore's accounts of his voyages to newfoundland he refers to his having sailed from ireland and to his return to ireland and so it is highly probable that he settled irishmen on his avalon plantations after baltimore's departure lord falkland also sent out a number of irish colonists and at a later date they were so largely reinforced by settlers from ireland that the celtic part of the population at this day is not far short of equality in numbers with the saxon portion hatton and harvey history of newfoundland page thirty two Pedley attributes the large proportion of Irishmen and the influence of the Catholics in Newfoundland to Lord Falkland's company, and Prowse, in his history, pages 200-201, to 201, refers to the large number of Irishmen in that colony who fled from Waterford and Cork during the troubled times which preceded the Williamite War, 1688 many of these in after years are known to have settled in new england but it was to maryland and pennsylvania that the greatest flow of irish immigration directed its course in the celebrated account of the voyage to maryland written in the year sixteen thirty four by mucius vitellestus the general of the jesuit order it is related that when the Ark and the Dove arrived in the West Indies in that year, they found the island of Montserrat inhabited by a colony of Irishmen who had been banished from Virginia on account of their professing the Catholic faith. It is known also that there were many families in Ireland of substance and good social standing who, at their own expense, took venture in the enterprise of lord baltimore and afterwards in that of william penn and who applied for and received grants of land which as the deeds on record show were afterwards divided into farms bought and settled by O'Briens, mccarthy's o'connor's and many other of the ancient gaelic race the descendants of those heroic men, whose passion for liberty, while causing their ruin, inspired and impelled their sons to follow westward the star of empire. After the first English colonies in Maryland were founded, we find in all the proclamations concerning these settlements by the proprietary government that they were limited to persons of British or Irish descent the religious liberty established in maryland was the magnet which attracted irish catholics to that province and so they came in large numbers in search of peace and comfort and freedom from the turmoil produced by religious animosities in their native land the major part of this irish immigration seems to have come in through the ports of philadelphia and charleston and a portion through chesapeake bay whence they passed on to pennsylvania and the southern colonies The certificates of land grants in Maryland show that it was customary for those Irish colonists to name their lands after places in their native country, and I find that there is hardly a town or city in the old Gaelic strongholds in Ireland that is not represented in the nomenclature of the early Maryland grants one entire section of the province named the county of new ireland by proclamation of lord baltimore in the year 1684 was occupied wholly by irish families this section is now embraced in cecil and harford counties new ireland county was divided into three parts known as new connaught new munster and new leinster New Connacht was founded by George Talbot from Roscommon, who was Surveyor General of the province, New Munster by Edward O'Dwyer from Tipperary, and New Leinster by Brian O'Daly from Wicklow, all of whom were in Maryland prior to 1683. Among the prominent men in the province may be mentioned Charles O'Carroll, who was secretary to the proprietor john hart from county Cavan, who was governor of maryland from seventeen fourteen to seventeen twenty philip connor from carey known in history as the last commander of old kent daniel delaney of the o delaney family from queen's county one of the most famous lawyers in the american colonies michael tawney or taney ancestor of the celebrated judge roger brooke the corses from Cork, one of the oldest families in the state, the Kings from Dublin, and many others. The only place in the state bearing a genuine Irish name, which has reached any prominence, is Baltimore. Not only has the monumental city received its name from Ireland, but the tract of land on which the city is now situate was originally named in 1695. Eli O'Carroll after the barony of that name in King's and Tipperary counties, the ancient home of the clan O'Carroll. To subdivisions of the tract were given such names as Dublin, Waterford, Traley, Rappo, Tramore, Mallow, Kinsale, Lurgan, Coleraine, Tipperary, Antrim, Belfast, Derry, Kildare, Enniskillen, Wexford, Letterkenny, Lifford burr galway limerick and so on all indicating the nationality of the patentees as well as the places from which they came from such sources is the evidence available of the coming of the irish to maryland in large numbers and so it is that we are not surprised to find on the rosters of the maryland revolutionary regiments four thousand six hundred thirty three distinctive irish names exclusive of the large numbers who joined the navy and the militia as well as those who were held to guard the frontier from indian raids whose names are not on record however it is not possible now to determine the proportion of the revolutionary soldiers who were of irish birth or descent for where the nationality is not stated in the rosters all non-irish names must be left out of the reckoning the first census of maryland seventeen hundred ninety published by the united states government enumerates the names of all heads of families and the number of persons in each family a count of the irish names shows approximately twenty-one thousand persons this does not take into account the great number of people who could not be recorded under that head as it is known there were many thousand irish redemptioners in maryland prior to the taking of the census and while no precise data exist to indicate the number of irish immigrants who settled in maryland i estimate that the number of people of irish descent in the state in seventeen ninety was not far short of 40,000 the land records and council journals of georgia of the last half of the seventeenth and the first half of the eighteenth century afford like testimony to the presence of the irish who crossed the sea and colonized the waste places of that wild territory and whose descendants in after years contributed much of the strength of the patriot forces who confronted the armed cohorts of carlton and cornwallis From the colonial records of Georgia, published under the auspices of the state legislature, I have extracted a long list of people of Irish name and blood who received grants of land in that colony. They came with Oglethorpe as early as 1735 and continued to arrive for many years. It was an Irishman named Mitchell who laid out the site of Atlanta, the metropolis of the south, an o'brien founded the city of augusta and a mccormick named the city of dublin georgia from the records of the carolinas we obtain similar data many of an absorbingly interesting character and the number of places in that section bearing names of a decidedly celtic flavor is striking evidence of the presence of irish people the line of whose settlements across the whole state of north carolina may be traced on the high roads leading from pennsylvania and virginia hawke one of the historians of north carolina refers to the irish romanists who were resident in that province as early as seventeen hundred and williamson says that the most numerous settlers in the northwestern part of the province during the first half of the eighteenth century were from ireland the manuscript records in the office of the secretary of state refer to a shipload of immigrants who in the year seventeen sixty one came to the carolinas from dublin the names of the irish pioneers in the carolinas are found in every conceivable connection in the parochial and court records in the will books in the minutes of the general assembly in the quaint old records of the land and registers offices in the patents granted by the colonial government and in sundry other official records in public affairs they seem to have had the same adaptability for politics which among other things has in later days brought their countrymen into prominence florence o'sullivan from kerry was surveyor-general of south carolina in sixteen seventy one james moore a native of ireland and a descendant of the famous irish chieftain rory o'more was governor of south carolina in seventeen hundred matthew rowan from carrick fergus was president of the north carolina council during the term of office of his townsman governor arthur dobbs seventeen fifty four to seventeen sixty four john connor was attorney general of the province in seventeen thirty and was succeeded in turn by david O'Sheill and thomas maguire cornelius hartnett hugh waddell and terence sweeney all irishmen were members of the court and among the members of the provincial assembly i find such names as murphy leary kearney macklewin dunn keenan mcmanus ryan borg logan and others showing an irish origin and in this connection we must not overlook thomas burke a native of the city of the tribes distinguished as lawyer soldier and statesman who became governor of north carolina in seventeen eighty one as did his cousin Adnes burke also from galway who was judge of the supreme court of south carolina in seventeen seventy eight John Rutledge, son of Dr. John Rutledge from Ireland, was governor of South Carolina in 1776, and his brother Edward became governor of the state in 1788. But there were Irishmen in the Carolinas long before the advent of these, and, indeed, Irish names are found occasionally as far back as the records of those colonies reach. They are scattered profusely through the will books and records of deeds as early as sixteen seventy six and down to the end of the century, and in a list of immigrants from Barbados in the year sixteen seventy eight, quoted by John Camden Houghton in the work already alluded to, we find about one hundred twenty persons of Irish name who settled in the Carolinas in that year. In seventeen nineteen, five hundred persons from ireland transported themselves to carolina to take the benefit of an act passed by the assembly by which the lands of the yamasee indians were thrown open to settlers and ramsey history of south carolina volume one page twenty says of all countries none has furnished the province with so many inhabitants as ireland in the pennsylvania records one is also struck with the very frequent mention of irish names william penn had lived in ireland for several years and was acquainted with the sturdy character of its people and when he arrived on board the welcome in sixteen eighty two he had with him a number of irishmen who are described as people of property and people of consequence In 1699 he brought over a brilliant young Irishman, James Logan from Lurgan, who for nearly half a century occupied a leading position in the province, and for some time was its governor. But the first Irish immigration to Pennsylvania of any numerical importance came in the year 1717. They settled in Lancaster County. They and their descendants, says Rupp, an impartial historian have always been justly regarded as among the most intelligent people in the county and their progress will be found to be but little behind the boasted efforts of the colony of plymouth in seventeen twenty seven as the records show one thousand one hundred fifty five irish people arrived in philadelphia and in seventeen twenty eight the number reached the high total of five thousand six hundred. "'It looks as if Ireland is to send all her inhabitants hither,' wrote Secretary Logan to the provincial proprietors in 1729. For last week not less than six ships arrived. The common fear is that if they continue to come, they will make themselves proprietors of the province. Rupp's History of Dauphin County The continuous stream of Irish immigration was viewed with so much alarm by the legislature that in 1728 a law was passed against these crowds of Irish papists and convicts who are yearly powered upon us, the convicts being the political refugees who fled from the persecutions of the English government. But the operations of this statute were wholly nullified by the captains of the vessels landing their passengers at Newcastle, Delaware, and Burlington, New Jersey, and, as one instance of this, I find in the Philadelphia American Weekly Mercury of August 14, 1729, a statement to this effect it is reported from newcastle that there arrived there this last week about two thousand irish and an abundance more daily expected this expectation was realized for according to an account of passengers and servants landed in philadelphia between december twenty fifth seventeen twenty eight and december twenty fifth seventeen twenty nine which I find in the New England Weekly Journal, for March thirtieth, 1730, the number of Irish who came in via the Delaware River in that year was 5,655, while the total number of all other Europeans who arrived during the same period was only 553. Holmes, in his Annals of America, corroborates this, the philadelphia newspapers down to the year seventeen forty one also contained many similar references indicating that the flood of irish immigration was unceasing and that it was at all times in excess of that from other european countries later issues of the mercury also published accounts of the number of ships from ireland which arrived in the delaware and from these it appears that from seventeen thirty five to seventeen thirty eight, sixty six vessels entered Philadelphia from Ireland and fifty cleared thereto. And in the New York Gazette and Weekly Postboy of the years seventeen fifty 1750 to seventeen fifty two, I find under the caption vessels registered at the Philadelphia Custom House a total of one hundred eighty three ships destined from or to ireland or an average of five sailings per month between irish ports and the port of philadelphia alone a careful search fails to disclose any record of the number of persons who came in these ships but from the fact that it is stated that all carried passengers as well as merchandise from irish ports we may safely assume that the human freight must have been very large spencer in his history of the united states says in the years seventeen seventy one and seventeen seventy two the number of emigrants to america from ireland was seventeen thousand three hundred fifty Almost all of whom emigrated at their own expense. A great majority of them consisted of persons employed in the linen manufacture or farmers possessed of some property, which they converted into money and brought with them. Within the first fortnight of August 1773, there arrived at Philadelphia 3,500 immigrants from Ireland as most of the emigrants particularly those from ireland and scotland were personally discontent with their treatment in europe their accession to the colonial population it might reasonably be supposed had no tendency to diminish or counteract the hostile sentiments toward britain which were daily gathering force in america marmion in his ancient and modern history of the maritime ports of ireland verifies this he says that the number of Irish who came during the years seventeen seventy one, seventeen seventy two, and 1773 was 25,000. The bulk of these came in by way of Philadelphia, and settled in Pennsylvania and the Virginias. The Irish were arriving in the province in such great numbers during this period as to be the cause of considerable jealousy on the part of other settlers from continental europe they were a vigorous and aggressive element eager for that freedom which was denied them at home large numbers of them went out on the frontier while the war-whoop of the savage still echoed within the surrounding valleys and his council fires blazed upon the hills those daring adventurers penetrated the hitherto pathless wilderness and passed through unexampled hardships with heroic endurance they opened up the roads bridged the streams and cut down the forests turning the wilderness into a place fit for man's abode with their sturdy sons they constituted the skirmish line of civilization standing as a bulwark against indian incursions into the more prosperous and populous settlements between them and the coast from 1740 down to the period of the revolution hardly a year passed without a fresh infusion of irish blood into the existing population and as an indication that they distributed themselves all over the province i find in every town and county history of pennsylvania and in the land records of every section irish names in the greatest profusion They settled in great numbers, chiefly along the Susquehanna and its tributaries, they laid out many prosperous settlements in the wilderness of western Pennsylvania, and in these sections Irishmen are seen occupying some of the foremost and most coveted positions, and their sons in after-years contributed much to the power and commercial greatness of the commonwealth. They are mentioned prominently, as manufacturers, merchants, and farmers, and in the professions they occupied a place second to none among the natives of the state. In several sections they were numerous enough to establish their own independent settlements, to which they gave the names of their Irish home-places, several of which are preserved to this day it is not to be wondered at then that general harry lee named the pennsylvania line of the continental army the line of ireland ireland gave many eminent men to the commonwealth among whom may be mentioned john burns its first governor after the adoption of the constitution who was born in dublin george bryan also a native of dublin who was its governor in 1788 James O'Hara, one of the founders of Pittsburgh, Thomas Fitzsimmons, a native of Limerick, member of the first Congress under the Constitution which began the United States government and father of the policy of protection to American industries, Matthew Carey from Dublin, the famous political economist, and many others who were prominent as nation-builders in the early days of the Keystone State. While the historians usually give all the credit to England and to English men for the early colonization of New England, whose results have been attended with such important consequences to America and the civilized world, Ireland and her sons can also claim a large part in the development of this territory, as is evidenced by the town land church and other colonial records and the names of the pioneers as well as the names given to several of the early settlements that the irish had been coming to new england almost from the beginning of the english colonization is indicated by an order entered in the massachusetts record under date of september twenty fifth sixteen thirty four granting liberty to the scottish and irish gentlemen who intend to come hither to sit down in any place up Merrimack river this doubtless referred to a scotch and irish company which about that time had announced its intention of founding a settlement on the Merrimack it comprised in all one hundred forty passengers who embarked in the eagle wing from carrickfergus in september sixteen hundred thirty six bringing with them a considerable quantity of equipment and merchandise to meet the exigencies of their settlement in the new country the vessel however never reached its destination and was obliged to return to ireland on account of the atlantic storms and there is no record of a renewal of the attempt in the massachusetts records of the year sixteen hundred forty volume one page two hundred ninety five is another entry relating to the persons come from ireland and in the town books of boston may be seen references to irishmen who were residents of the town in that year from local histories which in many cases are but verbatim copies of the original entries in the town books we get occasional glimpses of the irish who were in the colony of massachusetts bay between this period and the end of the century for example Between 1640 and 1660 such names as O'Neill, Sexton, Gibbons, Lynch, Keeney, Kelly, and Hogan appear on the town records of Hartford, and one of the first schoolmasters who taught the children of the Puritans in New Haven was an Irishman named William Collins, who in the year 1640 came there with a number of Irish refugees from Barbados Island an irishman named joseph collins with his wife and family came to lynn massachusetts in sixteen thirty five richard duffy and matthias curran were at ipswich in sixteen thirty three john kelly came to newbury in sixteen thirty five with the first english settlers of the town david o'killia or o'kelly was a resident of old yarmouth in sixteen fifty seven and i find on various records of that section a great number of people named kelly who probably were descended from david O'Kelly, peter o'kelly and his family are mentioned as of dorchester in sixteen ninety six at springfield in sixteen fifty six there were families named riley and o'day and richard burke said to be of the male family of that name is mentioned prominently in middlesex county as early as sixteen seventy the first legal instrument of record in hampton county was a deed of conveyance in the year sixteen eighty three to one patrick riley of lands in chicopee with a number of his countrymen riley located in this vicinity and gave the name of ireland parish to their settlement john Mullooney and daniel mcginnis were at woburn in sixteen seventy six and michael bacon an irishman of woburn fought in king philip's war in sixteen seventy five john joyce was at lynn in sixteen thirty seven and i find the names of william healy william rail william barrett and roger burke signed to a petition to the general court of massachusetts on august seventeenth sixteen sixty four such names as mccarty gleason cogan Lawler, kelly hurley McQuaid, and mccleary also appear on the cambridge church records down to sixteen ninety these are but desultory instances of the first comers among the irish to massachusetts selected from a great mass of similar data in the early history of every town in massachusetts without exception i find mention of irish people and while the majority came originally as poor redemptioners yet in course of time and despite puritanical prejudices not a few of them rose to positions of worth and independence perhaps the most noted of these was matthew lyon of vermont known as the hampton of congress who on his arrival in new york in seventeen sixty five was sold as a redemptioner to pay his passage money this distinguished american was a native of county wicklow other notable examples of irish redemptioners who attained eminence in america were george taylor a native of dublin one of pennsylvania's signers of the declaration of independence charles thompson a native of county tyrone the perennial secretary of the continental congress and william killen who became chief justice and chancellor of delaware some of the descendants of the irish redemptioners in massachusetts are found among the prominent new englanders of the past hundred years the puritans of massachusetts extended no welcoming hand to the irish who had the temerity to come among them yet as an historical writer has truly said by one of those strange transformations which time occasionally works it has come to pass that massachusetts today contains more people of irish blood in proportion to the total population than any other state in the union so great and so continuous was irish immigration to massachusetts during the early part of the eighteenth century, that on St. Patrick's Day, in the year 1737, a number of merchants, who described themselves as of the Irish nation residing in Boston, formed the Charitable Irish Society, an organization which exists even to the present day it was provided that the officers should be natives of Ireland or of Irish extraction, and they announced that the society was organized in an affectionate and compassionate concern for their countrymen in these parts who may be reduced by sickness, shipwreck, old age, and other infirmities and unforeseen accidents." I have copied from the town books, as reproduced by the city of Boston, 1,600 Irish names of persons who were married, or had declared their intentions of marriage, in Boston between the years 1710 and 1790, exclusive of 956 other Irish names which appear on the minutes between 1720 and 1775 in 1718 one of the largest single colonies of irish arrived in boston it consisted of one hundred families who settled at different places in massachusetts one contingent headed by edward fitzgerald located at Worcester, and another at palmer under the leadership of robert farrell while a number went to the already established settlement at londonderry new hampshire About the same time a colony of fishermen from the west coast of Ireland settled on the Cape Cod peninsula, and I find a number of them recorded on the marriage registers of the towns in this vicinity between 1719 and 1743. In 1720 a number of families from County Tyrone came to Shrewsbury, and eight years later another large contingent came to leicester county from the same neighbourhood who gave the name of dublin to the section where they located the annals of leicester county are rich in irish names on the town books of various places in this vicinity and on the rosters of the troops enrolled for the indian war irishmen are recorded and we learn from the records that not a few of them were important and useful men active in the development of the settlements and often chosen as selectmen or representatives on the minutes of the meetings of the selectmen of pelham spencer sutton charleston canton situate stoughton salem amesbury stoneham and other massachusetts towns irish names are recorded many years before the revolution in local histories these people are usually called scotch-irish a racial misnomer that has been very much overworked by a certain class of historical writers who seem to be unable to understand that a non-catholic native of ireland can be an irishman in an exhaustive study of american history i cannot find any other race where such a distinction is drawn as in the case of the non-catholic or so-called scotch-irish in many instances this hybrid racial designation obviously springs from prejudice and a desire to withhold from ireland any credit that may belong to her although in some cases the writers are genuinely mistaken in their belief that the scotch as a race are the antithesis of the irish and that whatever commendable qualities the non-catholic irish are possessed of naturally spring from the scotch The first recorded Irish settlement in Maine was made by families named Kelly and Haley from Galway, who located on the Isles of Shoals about the year 1653. In 1692 Roger Kelly was a representative from the Isles to the General Court of Massachusetts and is described in local annals as King of the Isles. The large number of islands, bays, and promontories on the Maine coast bearing distinctive Celtic names attests the presence and influence of Irish people in this section in colonial times. In 1720 Robert Temple from Cork brought to Maine five shiploads of people, mostly from the province of Munster. They landed at the junction of the Kennebec and Eastern Rivers, where they established the town of Cork, which, however, after a precarious existence of only six years, was entirely destroyed by the Indians. For nearly a century, the place was familiarly known to the residents of the locality as Ireland. The records of York, lincoln and cumberland counties contain references to large numbers of irish people who settled in those localities during the early years of the eighteenth century the town books of georgetown curtery and cannebunkport of the period seventeen forty to seventeen seventy five are especially rich in irish names and in the saco valley numerous settlements were made by irish immigrants not a few of whom are referred to by local historians as men of wealth and social standing in the marriage and other records of limerick maine as published by the maine historical and genealogical recorder in the marriage registers of the first congregational church of scarborough and in other similarly unquestionable records I find a surprisingly large number of Irish names at various periods during the seventeenth and eighteenth centuries. In fact, there is not one town in the province that did not have its quota of Irish people who came either direct from Ireland or migrated from other sections of New England. The records of New Hampshire and Rhode Island are also a fruitful source of information on this subject, and the provincial papers indicate an almost unbroken tide of Irish immigration to this section, beginning as early as the year 1640 one of the most noted of exeter's pioneer settlers was an irishman named darby field who came to that place in sixteen thirty one and who has been credited by governor winthrop as the first european who witnessed the white mountains he is also recorded as an irish soldier for discovery and i find his name in the annals of exeter as one of the grantees of an indian deed dated april third sixteen hundred thirty eight as well as several other irish names down to the year sixteen sixty four in examining the town registers gazetteers and genealogies as well as the local histories of new hampshire in which are embodied copies of the original entries made by the town clerks i find numerous references to the irish pioneers and in many instances they are written down among others as the first settlers some are mentioned as selectmen town clerks representatives or colonial soldiers and it is indeed remarkable that there is not one of these authorities that i have examined out of more than two hundred that does not contain irish names from these irish pioneers sprang many men who attained prominence in new hampshire in the legislature the professions the military the arts and crafts and in all departments of civil life down to the present time in the marriage registers of portsmouth boscawen new boston antrim londonderry and other new hampshire towns are recorded in some cases as early as seventeen sixteen names of irish persons with the places of their nativity indicating that they came from all parts of ireland at hampton i find humphrey sullivan teaching school in seventeen fourteen while the name of john sullivan from limerick schoolmaster at dover and at berwick maine for upwards of fifty years is one of the most honored in early new hampshire history this john sullivan was surely one of the grandest characters in the colony of massachusetts bay and the record of his descendants serves as an all-sufficient reply to the anti-irish prejudices of some american historians he was the father of a governor of New Hampshire, and of a governor of Massachusetts, of an attorney general of New Hampshire, and of an attorney general of Massachusetts, of New Hampshire's only major general in the Continental Army, of the first judge appointed by Washington in New Hampshire, and of four sons who were officers in the Continental Army. He was grandfather of an attorney general of New Hampshire, of a governor of Maine, and and of a United States Senator from New Hampshire. He was great-grandfather of an attorney general of New Hampshire, and great-great-grandfather of an officer in the 13th New Hampshire Regiment in the Civil War. In Rhode Island, Irish people are on record as far back as 1640, and for many years after that date, they continued to come. Edward Larkin was an esteemed citizen of Newport in 1655. Charles McCarthy was one of the founders of the town of East Greenwich in 1677, while in this vicinity as early as 1680 are found such names as Casey, Higgins, McGinnis, Kelly, Murphy, Riley, Maloney, Healy, Delaney, Walsh, and others of Irish origin on the rosters of the colonial militia who fought in king philip's war sixteen seventy five, are found the names of one hundred ten soldiers of irish birth or descent some of whom for their services at the battle of narragansett received grants of land in new hampshire and massachusetts the new england historical and genealogical register for eighteen forty eight contains some remarkable testimony of the sympathy of the people of ireland for the sufferers in this cruel war and the irish donation sent out from dublin in the year sixteen seventy six will always stand in history to ireland's credit and as an instance of her intimate familiarity with american affairs one hundred years prior to that revolution which emancipated the people of this land from the same tyranny under which she herself has groaned and yet what a cruel travesty on history it reads like now when we scan the official records of the new england colonies and find that the irish were often called convicts and it was thought that measures should be taken to prevent their landing on the soil where they and their sons afterwards shed their blood in the cause of their fellow colonists in the minutes of the provincial assemblies and in the reports rendered to the general court as well as in other official documents of the period are found expressions of the sentiment which prevailed against the natives of the island of sorrows only twenty years before the outbreak of king philip's war the government of england was asked to provide a law to prevent the importation of irish papists and convicts that are yearly powered upon us and to make provision against the growth of this pernicious evil and the colonial courts themselves on account of what they called the cruel and malignant spirit that has from time to time been manifest in the irish nation against the english nation prohibited the bringing over of any irish men women or children into this jurisdiction on the penalty of fifty pounds sterling to each inhabitant who shall buy of any merchant shipmaster or other agent any such person or persons so transported by them this order was promulgated by the general court of massachusetts in october sixteen fifty four and is given in full in the american historical review for october eighteen ninety six with the convicts and the redemptioners came the irish schoolmaster the man then most needed in america and the fighting man he too was to the fore for when the colonies in after years called for volunteers to resist the tyranny of the British, the descendants of the Irish convicts were among the first and the most eager to answer the call. End of section 21